This episode of Serverless Chats is sponsored by Epsigon. This week, I'm chatting with Eric Johnson and Alan Tan about HTTP APIs for API Gateway. This is Serverless Chats, episode number 40. Hi, everyone. I'm Jeremy Daly, and you're listening to Serverless Chats. This week, I'm chatting with Eric Johnson and Alan Tan. Hi, Eric and Alan. Thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks for having us. Hey, Jeremy. Thanks for having us. So, Eric, let's start with you. So, you are a senior developer advocate for serverless at AWS. So, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about your background and what it is you do at AWS? Yeah, absolutely. So, my background is I've been a developer since 1995. Yes, that's right. I am an old guy. Yeah. Uh, I've been doing serverless since serverless came out. The day they announced serverless, I looked at it and said, wow, why would you do anything different? Uh, I've been following that trail for a long time. I now work for AWS. I've been there for almost two years. I am a senior developer advocate for serverless at AWS. Uh, I love all things automated, all things serverless. And so I'm having a great time. Uh, and as far as our role, what we do is we're kind of a two-way conversation with developers and uh, users of serverless. We we like to uh, teach uh, on how to use serverless and, and and get the message out on the best way to use serverless, how to make it useful for you know all workloads. But we also listen. We try to bring back what the developers are saying to the product team, uh, to someone like an Alan Tan, so they know, hey, here's what people are saying. Here's what they're wanting. Here are the paper cuts. Here's what they're loving, that kind of thing. So I love my role and appreciate you having me here today. Awesome. All right. So, Alan, you are a senior product manager. So why don't you tell uh, the listeners about your background and then what you do as a senior product manager? Yeah. So I started in computer science, right? I was a developer just like Eric for a long time. And then I went into product management, uh, building products for big data analytics, data analysis. And most recently, I've uh, been doing this for two years now on the API Gateway team, product manager for API Gateway. So what I do is I'm a senior product manager. So I talk to customers directly. I talk to people like Eric. I talk to you know people like uh, Jeremy yourself as well to get the feedback of what customers are really looking for, and then translating that back into the product. So our customers think we're building the right thing, and they really love coming back to us and using the same product over and over again. Awesome. All right. Well, so you work on the API Gateway team, and just the other day, AWS released HTTP APIs, um, which is really, really cool. So, can you explain to listeners what that is? Yeah, of course. So, um, just to start with some context of where where that came from. So, when I talk to customers, they usually come back to us for improvements and feature requests, right? But there are a few things that are really core to products. Um, so more generally, when people think about products and things they use, whether that's like an appliance, a car, a computer, right? There are certain, certain things they look for, which is how can we get this thing faster? How can we get it cheaper and better, right? API Gateway is no exception to that. Our customers come back asking us the same things. So last year, we started looking into how we can continuously deliver on these improvements for them. The result was HTTP APIs. So it offers the core functionality of REST API at a 71% lower price. Um, that's at a dollar per million in IAD, right? A dollar per million request. Uh, sub 10 millisecond latency overhead at the P99 level. That's a 60% improvement. 
and way easier to use features. So you can think of HTTP APIs as the next generation platform for API gateways, API types, a kind of V2. Awesome. Now, Eric, you have done a ton of stuff with API Gateway, with the REST APIs. Uh -huh. um, you had your happy little APIs show on Twitch, uh, you know, kind of getting into all the details. I know you love service integrations and all that kind of stuff that you've been working on. Yes, um, but, uh, but you're pretty excited about HTTP APIs as well. I am. Yeah. You know, for, for, for me as a developer, uh, HTTP API brings a lot, you know, I'm going to start with the better part, you know, the cheaper, faster, those are great. And I love those. And those are huge to our clients, but as a developer, the better part, uh, for me is, is the UI is the interface. There's been a lot of work done on, on how do I as a developer interact with API gateway and how do I develop against API gateway? And so, I mean, it just starts with something like the UI. When you, when you get a look at the UI, and, and if you've seen it, we did announce it last year at reInvent. So if you've gotten in, you've seen it, hopefully you've seen, wow, this is a lot simpler. And and one of the examples that I'll use is cores. And, and if you've ever heard me talk about API Gateway, I like to have everybody raise their hands and say, who loves cores? And there's a good surprise you, nobody raised their hand except for one person, and he's a liar. So, that's you know, probably that's, me. That's yeah, probably, probably me who is, raises, yeah. <laughs> No, I hate cores as well. <laughs> nobody loves cores. And Cores is not, you know, not easy, but it is a necess necessary thing. And so what, what a lot of folks end up doing is they just put stars in their cores. You know, hey, let anybody get to it. Let anything happen. Let anything you do it. Because configuring cores is too complex. Well, with HTTP API, we've taken that. We've, we've simplified that. I say we, but really, you know, Alan's team, you know, uh, has, has done a lot of great work on this. But I take credit for it when Alan's not around. So uh, what we've done is we've made the cores integration a lot easier to set up so you can you know you can add here's the domains that should be allowed to get to it here's the here's the methods and it's all in a simple ui we've also taken you know and, and extended that where we're able to simplify the return come out of your, your lambda your back end and we use uh heuristics which is a big word that i've just learned recently uh, but we use some logic to to fill in the cores data in return to the customer so a lot of the heavy lifting of configuring cores and other items have been you know been simplified so as a developer or, you know, I love it. And that's just one example, though. Yeah. And speaking of, of that sort of uh, reducing that complexity, another thing that is now available, and I, I should have said HTTP, well, it is hard to say. It's also a great SEO keyword, by the way. I think that um, <laughs> you're going to find a lot of people finding HTTP APIs. Um, but it just actually went GA. So you're right. It was it wasn't in, uh, in preview for quite some time. Um, but going back to this idea of uh, of sort of reducing complexity, one of the things um, you know that you have to do with API gateways add in authorizers and some of these other things. But now you have like JWT authorizers built right into uh, right into the service. Yeah, that's right. So going on the same uh, vein of things that you know both you and Eric have been talking about about reducing complexity, JWT authorizer is one of those things we've heard our customers ask us a lot about from our REST API product. So how customers used to do it in our REST API product is that they would use a Lambda authorizer and they would just write custom code um, just to do you know OIDC auth or, or OAuth2 and every customer has to do this. So what we've done with, uh, with HTTP API's JWT authorizer is to build all this as a native feature inside the product. So customers don't have to write code. It's basically um, codeless. You just configure where your token is being issued from, what audience and what scopes will be part of it. And we will handle all of that for you. 
Yeah, and one of the cool things that I've been seeing a lot of articles written about is this, um, you know, is using something like Cognito, obviously, as as a way to do it, but also being able to use Auth0. I saw somebody write an article about using Google Fire store, I think, in order to, uh, to to use the authorizer. Anything that can process those JWT tokens, uh, you can plug that in uh, natively into HTTP APIs. Yeah, that's right. So we, we support the token regardless of where it's being uh, issued from, ping, Okta, Cognito, right? So it's really being able to, for the customer to be able to bring any token they have and being able to use that with API Gateway. Awesome. All right. So one of the things that I found was sort of experimenting with with the new HTTP APIs, um, which is really hard to say, by the way, um, but uh, it's hard to say it fast anyways, uh, HTTP APIs. Um, maybe we'll just shorten it. Um, but one of the things that I, that I found is obviously the feature set isn't quite you know, there's you can't do everything in HTTP APIs that you can do in API Gateway. So um, this is obviously something where you said you've gone back and you've rewritten this thing. I mean, is that something that that we should be looking for in the future? Is to be able to do more things with the service? Yeah, with HTTP API, we we are looking to have feature parity uh, with you know API or the REST API. Uh, now, is that there right now? No, not yet. But it is. You know, it's top priority. We're we're looking. We know that. As we, as we, you know, people ask us, which should I use? And I think we'll get into this a little later, but which should I use? You know, my rule of thumb is generally start with HTTP API. If it doesn't have the service uh, or the feature that you need, then go to, to API Gateway REST API. However, keep checking because we are looking to do feature parity to continue to build out the features that are in REST API to build them uh, into HTTPI or something like that, uh, but again, at the better, cheaper, faster way of doing it. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess I wonder, you know, a little bit like, because I, I get that and that's that's awesome. I mean, the, the idea of being able to, um, you know, continue to add features. This is what's great about serverless, right? It's just things keep getting added and you don't need to do anything, um, which is which is pretty great. But who is this? Who is this targeted for, right? Because I think you see with API Gateway, you have a lot of uh, API management controls, right? So you have everything from quota management to um, to key management and all these other things that are sort of built in there. Um, it's sort of great if you want to, you know, uh, build an API that you know allows customers to have access to a certain amount of data or a certain quota every day. Um, you can't do that with HTTP APIs yet, but so who who is this really targeted for? So HTTPIs is targeted for developers, right? We wanted to make it the easiest platform for developers to build APIs. Um, and just to add a bit onto what Eric was saying earlier, um, because we built HTTPIs from scratch, right? We are able to start from a clean slate. So a lot of these new features uh, we're going to be adding as part of feature parity, we're actually going back and looking at them and seeing how we can make those a lot easier to use. So it's really targeted for developers that are trying to build APIs. Um, and Jeremy, you touched on API management as well. So this is also a set of capabilities that's available in REST API today. Um, for going forward, another request we hear a lot from our customers is um, they're challenging us to look into the API management space and bring some innovation and disruption there. As you know, it's a very old space. A lot of our customers, especially when they're moving to AWS, are asking us to make this space easier. So this is a set of uh, new capabilities we're looking into right now. Probably um, later this year, you'll see something. Awesome. Yeah, because that's one of those things, too, where 
as a developer who mostly is building just APIs, right? I just want I just want a synchronous invocation of a Lambda yeah. function is essentially what I want. Um, adding on the cores and having to put extra stuff in the cloud formation and, and set up those response templates is such a pain. And then you've got all that extra overhead of things that you just don't need. So uh, I really, really love how this is super slimmed down. And once you get a couple more of those core features in, um, I think that's going to be uh, I think that's going to be pretty exciting stuff. Yeah, but it's interesting as we as we talk to developers and and how many are saying, look, we, you know, we we just want to we need to proxy a lambda. Or we need to to do this. Now, a lot of times, if you've seen anything I talk about, I talk about okay. But are you looking at the full feature set? Are you reinventing the wheel? But sometimes they're not. Sometimes they're just look. We just need a simple authentication and a, and a proxy or an API in front of a lambda or in front of a service. And and that's what that's HTTP API at the moment. I mean, it's it's a great way to just do that very quickly. Uh, and that and and then as we start, to, you're right. As we start to build out those features, then it's going to become for everybody. Awesome. All right, so let's let's jump into some of the features that it has right now because I think that'd be useful to know what exactly we can do with it. So basic features we have routes, right? Yeah, uh, with routes, yeah. So, so the way we've done, and we changed that a little bit. Uh, a route is just simply an HTTP API. It's simply a path and a method, right? So, look, I'm going to hit the root, and it's going to be a get, a post, an any, or something like that. So, routes are, are very simple. Uh, and then you can, you know, you can tie to that route. You can tie different integrations to different places going on. But yes, you have the the basic concept of a route. And what are what are the integrations that exist right now? So currently, we have Lambda. And I'm, I'm ticking them off on my fingers here. You can't see it, but we do have Lambda. We also have an HTTP proxy, so you confront another HTTP endpoint. Uh, and then we're adding private integrations. And you know, I want to expand on that because I'm really excited about that. But th that's those are the three integrations that we can do. All right, so before we get into the integrations, because I know that's a whole... That, that might take us it an is. hour to get yeah. through. Um, we also have stages similar to uh, API Gateway, right? Right, yep. All right, so you can still do your dev and your prod and, and things like that. That's right. And we also added a new uh, usability feature for stages, actually. We added the concept of auto-deployment. So if as you change an API, your changes will automatically be deployed to the stage. This is also a big area of feedback we got from our customers where, um, as Eric was talking about earlier, right? Some of our customers are really just looking for a basic endpoint. They're just really looking for something to proxy traffic. And for them, having to learn more and more API gateway concepts might not be the most customer friendly, right? So we added auto deployment. So that's another concept you don't have to learn about until you really need it. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times I've been standing on stage demonstrating API gateway, did all the changes, and then spent two minutes going, why doesn't this work? Because you forgot to deploy. I have, exactly. <laughs> and I have actually said to the audience, hey, if I start getting frustrated, this doesn't work, somebody yell, deploy it. So <laughs> yeah. I'm really excited about the auto deploy. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And actually, I mean, I, I think that it, it's subtle, but it is a, a really cool feature because if you think about um, your average developer who just, again, wants to put you know, an HTTP endpoint uh, in front of a Lambda function, for example. Uh, the problem is, is that again, you're you're adding on all this complexity with API Gateway, 
Uh, and it's just another step that you have to go through. And so having that all kind of uh, wrap into one, I think is uh, is pretty cool. Now, I, I personally don't like when every Lambda function has an HTTP uh, gateway in front of it, similar to like maybe Google uh, Cloud functions or something like that, where those all have their own endpoint. But I do love this because it's a super simple way um, to kind of add that on top. So, um, so what about logging? Yep, yeah. we have access logging. Alan, go ahead. Okay, yeah. We have access logging just like REST API. We actually added a new context variable to our access logs, which is integration error message. So you're able to see why your, why your backend is not working. For example, if you're using it with Lambda, it'll tell you things like, hey, permissions weren't set up correctly. So you're able to easily debug using our access logs now as well. Which That's again is helpful. another huge, yeah. huge improvement, yeah. right? When you keep getting that, you keep getting that internal server error coming back and you have no idea why. Uh, and then you realize, oh, wait a minute, my Lambda function processed correctly, but somehow my API gateway didn't respond correctly or uh, vice versa. So that's, uh, that's definitely a cool feature. Um, all right. So let's get into private integrations because this is super cool stuff. So I don't know, Eric, you want to, you want to start? I do. I do. I'm excited. Yeah, so private integrations. A lot of times, you know, we, we get folks that are telling us, "Look, we've got, you know, we, hey, hey, you know," and and I know the three of us are, are serverless people, but apparently there are non-serverless architectures. I don't believe it. I don't. Believe I, it. I'm not. Uh, you know, I don't either. But that's what they're telling me. So they said, "Talk about it." No. So yeah. So when we're looking at API gateway, uh, you know, we we deal with VPCs, right? When, when you're dealing with, especially with non-serverless architectures, you deal with VPCs. And and that's that's a good thing. VPCs are a layer of security that, you know, as in a past life as a solutions architect, we talk about security and everything goes in a VPC. That's what we always hear. That's why sometimes a serverless, they kind of say, well, it doesn't have to be because it's already in a VPC, but that's, you know, another discussion. But <laughs> so dealing with VPCs, when you're thinking about EC2s or you're thinking about container services like ECS or EKS, you need a way to be able to talk to, to, to basically, you know, front those, you know, with API Gateway. Now you can do it through some other ways like NLB or ALB, but you want to be able to take advantage of the API Gateway you know, features that we've got like the JWT or, you know, the throttling that we've added, different things like that. So we built private integrations and, and I think we really did a great job on this and, 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 and Alan's team did an amazing job on this because it's not just NLB like REST does, which is, you know, it's a great way. Look, we can point to an NLB and then we can get to stuff in a VPC, but we've also added the ability to use ALB. Uh, which you know you can do path mapping. You know it's a it's a level four versus a level seven. Uh, I don't know what that means, but there it is. No, it's you know it's 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 on how the routing is done. I'll let Alan expand on that. Uh, but the other one that I'm really excited about is AWS Cloud Map. And if you're not familiar with Cloud Map, it gives you the ability to basically it's a it's a service discovery product. So I can actually create a namespace. That's going to maybe, maybe I'll just tie that, you know, these, these are, I can create a namespace on however I want it to be. I can say, look, I've got an application that does this. I'm going to create a namespace that matches that. In the namespace, I can make different services. So for instance, I may have a, like a tier one or tier two or my different tiers. However, I want to break my services apart. And then finally, in the, in the name or in the service, I can register, you know, service instances. So let's take, for example, if, if I'm doing ECS. So I bring up a cluster. It's got four different machines in, in my cluster, right? So I can register those instances with CloudMap. So API Gateway can use CloudMap to get to those instances, to, to connect to the clusters. And so I've got a secure in infrastructure. So I'm, I'm saying, look, API Gateway, 
for all intents and purposes, is in that VPC with those instances. I'm probably making Alan cringe right now because it's not <laughs> actually in there. But we're using technology to connect those. So with security groups, when I'm when I'm locking down my security groups, I can say, hey, everything in this VPC security group and that API gateway can be in there because of cloud map and because of the way it connects through. So, uh, and Alan, feel free to correct any of that if you want because, you know, you're obviously the big brain here, but that's I'm excited about the way we're doing the 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 private integrations and the ability to build those. You know, with 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 Cloud Map, you can you can iterate fast, you can build them fast, you can change them out fast. It gives you serverless flexibility in non-serverless world. That's right, Eric. I think you got it perfectly. Um, I think it's totally fine what you said. No corrections needed. Uh, Please just do not edit to... that out, Jeremy. That needs to stay in. <laughs> Okay, I just want to add on that while the cloud map capability is super cool, the ability to connect to a private ALB, actually that's one of our top feature requests we've heard from customers from our REST API product. So it was it's gonna be super great for customers even if they continue using private ALBs. So what is the what exactly is the use case for for that? So a lot of our customers, when they're using ECS, because all the tutorials are focused around using ALBs and ALBs generally itself is easier to use than NLBs because like Eric said, it is a layer seven product. So as more features, more routing options, um, it's easier to set up. So a lot of ECS customers just have a stronger affinity to use private ALBs instead of NLBs. Awesome. Hey everyone, I just wanted to take a moment to thank our sponsor, Epsigon. If you're running modern applications in the cloud like serverless and microservices, Epsigon can add distributed tracing and payload visibility to all of your workloads. It lets you discover, monitor, and alert on issues, plus you can search across every trace, payload, and log so that you can troubleshoot and solve the most complex issues in seconds, all through a single, easy-to-use web-based interface. It's also incredibly simple and fast to set up. There are no agents to install, no manual coding, no tagging, and no training required. It literally takes about three minutes to get this up and running. Then Epsigon will discover and instrument all of your application stacks with no coding changes. Now I've known Nitsen, their CEO, and Ron, their CTO, for quite some time now, both of whom have actually been guests on this podcast, and they both bring an incredible amount of expertise to the observability space. The work that they and the team at Epsigon have done is amazing, and they've built a really, really solid product. So if you're looking for an observability tool that you can run on any of your production workloads, contain Lambda, Kubernetes, Fargate, or even VMs, definitely check them out at epsagon.com. That's E-P-S-A-G-O-N.com. All right, so what about migration? Okay, because now let's say I've got, I don't know, 200, uh, 200 API gateways or something like that that I probably have configured for a number of customers and, and, and other people. Um, how do I go from... Uh, API gateway to HTTP APIs? So to go from uh, API gateways, REST APIs to HTTP APIs, it's actually pretty simple because they both support the open API spec, right? You can go to REST API, export your API using open API 3, and then import it using HTTP API, right? Uh, but as we mentioned earlier, or at least you alluded to, right, there are some features that are missing, right? So when you export from REST API and import to HTTP API, when you do that, if you look at the object that gets returned, we actually tell you exactly which features are missing. So you can actually use that as a sort of like an indicator for whether or not uh, 
there any updates you need to make, what you should be aware of, right? So you can take a look at the info object that's returned. Another thing we've done to help customers move from REST to HTTP is that we've made custom domains uh, cross-compatible. So with one custom domain name, you can put a REST API-based path mapping and an HTTP API-based path mapping. So you can take a look uh, at your current API. If it's REST API, right, bring it over to HTTP API, test that it works. And if it works, you can just swap the base path mapping under that custom domain. So your clients don't have to change any URLs. You don't have to update any URLs in your documentation or anything like that. Everything will just work. Awesome. And I know that this is more about, you know, specifically HTTP APIs, but I do want to touch on custom domains for a second because I really like this pattern. And maybe, uh, Eric, you can talk about it a little bit more, but um, I find this ability to create new services. So, uh, you know, a microservice that's my billing service or my uh, my alerting service or whatever it is, um, create a separate, you know, a separate group of functions and resources and things like that. Front that with an API gateway and then use the custom domain mapping. So now that it's, you know, it's my API. API.com slash billing, myapi.com slash alerting, or whatever that is. Um, and that gives me a lot of control because now I can add endpoints, remove endpoints, add new services. I'm not worrying about you know a single or a bunch of teams trying to publish to a single API gateway and map those all over the place. Um, so that's a really, really cool feature. So Eric, I mean, this is just great because now I can say, look, maybe I have one service that needs a service integration or it needs um, one of these features of API gateway REST APIs, but if my other 10 services just need simple, you know, proxying, then I can use the HTTP APIs for that. Yeah, no, I, I love it too. When you think about that, it, you know, we get a lot of questions on how do I, how do I architect some of this architecture? So how, how, how should it look? You know, is it, are all 300, you know, lambdas in one application so they can be behind it? Uh, what we say, no, you know, we really encourage folks to find a logical breaking point for serverless applications or, or applications in general. I mean, it really is not just a serverless thing. It's, it's, it's anything. And so being able to take and say, okay, I'm going to have, instead of one large application, I'm going to have 10 micro applications. Mm -hmm. And each one of those are going to be microservice architectures, you know? And so then I can put, you know, one, you know, base path mapping right, right in front of it. And then I can, you know, just you know, route that around as I need rather than having to, okay, I'm going to try to do some, some funky routing. I'm going to put a, I'm going to put an API gateway and then sub API gateways. And you can do that. You can certainly do that, especially if you're trying to maybe unify or, or, you know, consolidate your, your authentication, but base path, path mapping is a simple way to say, you go there, you go there, you go there. You have a lot of control and it's another thing. And I don't know if you want to touch on this now or later, but it, it's also really helpful when it comes to the strangler pattern. I was, talk- just gonna say, okay. I was just going to okay. say that because I think it's a new way. It's a new way to think about the Strangler pattern, right? I mean, obviously, ALB was a great way to do it because you could route things right to your right. Lambda functions right. and start splitting off, you know, like you said, that layer seven, start splitting them off at the at the path level, um, which is pretty cool stuff. But um, but using an API gateway to do that it was just expensive. There was a lot of overhead and things like that. But now with the HTTP proxying in API H- oh, sorry, HTTP APIs, um, which is pretty inexpensive, um, and the custom domain capabilities. Now, now you've got you've got some more options there. You do going forward. HTTP API will be referred to as API unless otherwise designated. 
<laughs> is that is that the official AWS stance? Nope, that's nope. the Eric Johnson that's stance, who, who can barely speak English as it is. So, uh, no, so yeah, and that's an interesting idea. If you're not familiar with the Strangler pattern, just just you know, so you know, the idea is, let's say I've got an old legacy application that's that's a bunch of different services all in one. I can actually put. So we'll, we'll talk about API Gateway for a minute. I can put API Gateway in front of it. And then as I start breaking out those little little services, I can say, okay, now I'm going to reroute to serverless or some other type of architecture, uh, which should be serverless. And I'm going to uh, break those out until eventually I've strangled that application until it's gone, right? And so everything's broken out. But if you wanted to, you could say, I'm going to take my application and I'm going to, instead of breaking it into a single service, I'm going to break it down into maybe 10 micro applications. And I'm going to say to my teams, I'm going to take 10 teams, I'm going to say, build these 10 applications. And when you're ready, we'll just put a custom path, a custom domain um, path in front of it and we'll route to your API gateway. And it can be, you know, a REST API if you need it. It can be a HTTP API if you need it. And I have the I have the ability to send to either and change as needed. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a, a level up up of the strangler pattern. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, so let's uh, let's talk about um, sort of the practical use cases of this now. So if I'm a developer and like you said, Eric, first thing you do is use HTTP APIs. That'll be the that'll be your de facto standard unless you need something else. But but what are some of the reasons why um, I would use API gateway REST APIs or uh, maybe something like ALB over the new HTTP APIs? So between REST and HTTP API, I think if you're, as Eric was saying earlier, if you're bringing in new traffic, you should take a look at HTTP API and see whether that's a good fit for you. Because like I said, it is going to be the next generation platform for us to build our API improvements, right? Um, if there are any feature gaps or feature parity type things, as I mentioned earlier, we're also going to bring those over over time, right? So you shouldn't let any you know feature gaps worry you about you know whether or not we're going to support that in the future right we definitely are but going to um, alb and api gateway now there are while there's some overlapping features they're really quite different so i think really similar to earlier the rule of thumb is just to pick whichever one meets your needs and where you think your needs are going to be in the future right so for example api gateway offers throttling authorization publishing apis monetizing apis serverless web sockets right so you don't need to worry about these kinds of things in your back-end code so going back to the strangler pattern for example if you're using a lambda function and if you're using uh, your legacy on-prem backends for example and there's some authorization authentication you want to add for all these apis api gateway is a really good place to put that because then you don't really need to worry about having you know a authorization library in your lambda code and an authorization library in your backend code and trying to keep that consistent over time because you know consistency is really hard especially when you're talking about uh doing code manually right yeah so um, that's the kind of benefit that you get with API Gateway. You get a consistent uh, layer where you can put some of these logic in. And also being serverless, if you're not serving any traffic, you're also not being charged. Right. So it's really good for highly variable workloads where you need to scale up and down and you don't, so you don't need to uh, maintain a minimum fo footprint. Um, ALB on the other hand works really well if you have already 
if you already have all that logic that's already handled, right? So you're already handling throttling, caching, authorization, your backend code, and you don't uh, really care about having to maintain that over time. So it's really good if you already have those things. Uh, the pricing model works really great if you have a lot of small requests and you already serve like a very consistent level of traffic because uh, how ALB works is there is a base price for keeping the load balancer around. Mm -hmm. So it's really good if you already have a minimal footprint for your traffic. I would add in also, and, and I, I completely agree with Alan, but a lot of times when we have the discussions and I'm in the field, you know, it's, it's the, you know, I, I don't use any of the features on API gateway. So, you know, why do I need to use it? And that's mm -hmm. fair. And if you really are not, okay, that's something to look at. And maybe ALB works out. But what I encourage people is, you know, you know, ask them, okay, are you handling caching? And you know, yeah, yeah, we're writing to like Elastic Cash from Lambda. I was like, okay, well, we can, <laughs> you know, well, I can help you not do that and just, you know, offload. It, I, I really encourage people to figure out what are they doing in the Lambdas or the backend integrations that can be rolled off into API Gateway. Mm -hmm. And because then you start, and, and, and I know people hear this a lot, but you start looking at the total cost, uh, you know, the, the, the TCO, the total cost of operating it, right? Uh, and, and so, and you look at, you know, how, you know how, how, much are we, how much code are we writing to do stuff that's already available? Uh, and, and, you know, I'm a big fan of less code. If I build an application, the most dangerous part of an application is, is my code. There's just no two ways about it. And so uh, my encouragement is if you don't have to code it and you have a service, and, and, and sometimes you look at that, that price factor, but you have to look at the price factor in light of how much developer time, how much operational time, how much you know, you know, management time is going into putting it into your code versus rolling it off. And especially with the drop in cost with the HTTP API, when you're paying you know, at, at a third of the cost and as we reach feature parity, I just think it's the way to go. I, like I said, rule of thumb. That's that's the first place I go. Well, yeah, no, I think you're. I, I think you you hit the nail on the head there. I mean, the the biggest thing for me too is why rebuild something if it already exists. And I mean, it has to exist in a way that works for you, right? And so obviously, caching um, uh, in API Gateway. Uh, in the REST API version is very good for the right use case, right? You can't always cache everything, right. but um, you know, same thing with like request transformations. I mean, that's a really cool feature that I don't think a lot of people use, but you probably should uh, if you want to limit. You know, uh, you can have the same you can have the same Lambda function that responds to requests and actually spit them back in different ways using different endpoints, um, using request transformations and things like that. Um, and then one thing too about authorizers, so. Custom authorizers loved that feature when it came out, but now you know with with API Gateway. But honestly, if you think you can write a better standard than JWT yeah. or OAuth yeah. two or something like that, um, good for you. I mean, you know, go go and give it a try. But honestly, <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think I think it's probably smarter when it comes to security to maybe use something that is. Uh, uh, you know, is a pretty good standard. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, and like you said, there are a couple of things like the usage plans. You know, an API key management that you can't do uh, in in HTTP API right now. Um, there's also no X-ray integration yet, right? That's right. Yeah, that's also coming really very soon. Awesome. All right, and then just some other things too. I have some notes here, um, just because I like to be thorough. Um, but things like um, client certs, WAF, and resource policies. So those aren't supported, right? Yeah, those aren't supported right now. But it's part of the feature parity bucket of work. So. That's a bucket of work we're going to be looking into bringing over and seeing how we can do those better. Awesome.
All right. So one more question about ALB, though, and just in terms of the in, in the, the scale up, right? So if you need to scale very quickly, is it ALB? Is it HTTP APIs? Is it API Gateway? What what handles the uh, a fast scale up? That would be API Gateway. So API Gateway for both REST and HTTP APIs, and even WebSocket actually, um, your account is actually provisioned for. 10,000 RPS, and you can scale up from zero to 10,000 um, as quickly as you want. And if you need even higher than 10,000, we can easily increase that for you. We've gone with customers uh, significantly higher than that, like way higher for sporting events and big uh, announcements type deals, right? All right, yeah. So that that scaling is uh, is pretty intense. And and again, I like uh, I always like to say if you have to scale that much, then you've got some really good things going on, um, uh, you know, going on with your application. So that's uh, that's good stuff. All right. So one of the other things that HTTP APIs doesn't do yet, and I, I don't want to harp on this fact because I know we've talked about feature parity, and I know um, the teams are working on it. And I think that that the fact that it's it's built in a way that it, you you started from scratch, right? Like it's sort of a new product altogether. Um, and as you mentioned, it's going to give a ton of flexibility going forward. Um, but with the existing service integrations and API gateway, a very common pattern, and this is something, Eric, you talk about quite a bit, is this okay. idea of um, you know taking data right from the request and putting it right into some service, whether that's SQS or it's Kinesis or it's DynamoDB, being able to handle those service integrations, and I think you you call it storage first, which I think is really uh, an interesting an interesting way to think about <laughs> it. Um, so I know that doesn't exist yet. I know it's going to come at some point, right? But but let's talk about that pattern because I think that's really interesting feature of using something like API Gateway or you know the REST APIs and eventually HTTP APIs that lets you take that request. Forget about the Lambda function. Just make sure you capture it, store that data, and then do something with it. Yeah, no, and I do call it storage first, or sometimes I, I do a presentation called thinking asynchronously. Um, but the idea, and let me, let me go back to my earlier statement. The most dangerous part of an application that I'll ever build is my code, right? So when I build an application, uh, you know, I, I want to get that data stored first. I, that's that's the thing. And and if it's in, I tend to go DynamoDB because that's what I like. That's what I use. But there's different purposes. I know, uh, Jeremy, you and I have had this conversation before, and you're you're an SQS guy. So that's, that's, that's where you tend to go. So, and, and, and we do this because we look at, okay, what's the pattern for, for you and know, for like the retry or the DLQ or different things like that. Uh, and for me, it's that it's because I'm going to continually write back to Dynamo on, on, on the app. I'm specifically thinking about it, but the idea is if API gateway can directly integrate with the storage, uh, be it S3, be it DynamoDB, something like that, then I've stored the data and I'm, I don't have to go back to the customer if my, if my logic fails, right? So so in an application, I've stored the data. Let's say I'm using DynamoDB. I do a stream. It triggers a Lambda. I start processing that data. If somewhere in there, something breaks, and again, it's it's going to be my code, uh, but let's say something breaks, then I don't have to go back to the customer and say, hey, guess what? I blew it. Can you 
Can you, uh, you know, give me your data again? Can you resubmit that and continue to trust me because I'm sure I won't lose it again. You know, instead I've got that data stored and I can write in some retry or take advantage of the retry from, a, from an S, you know, an SQS or an SNS or, or something like that. Uh, and so I think it's, it's a really cool pattern for building resilience into our application. Serverless comes with a lot of resilience anyway. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's how AWS has approached this on, look, as much as we'd like to say nothing ever breaks let's write as if it does right and so let's let's degrade gracefully and that's and i think this adds even another layer of that where i can degrade in my code and know hey i've still got the data i can write some retry logic i can use existing retry logic i think it's a safer pattern so and and it does require you know the storage versus the pattern i call it but it requires thinking asynchronously what can i do after i've responded to the client and how do i work with them Absolutely. Awesome. So Alan, what do you think about that? I think it's super powerful and we see a lot of our customers doing that actually, um, especially after Eric published his blog that talks about this thinking, right? And showing a fully functional demo about creating a, what was it? Like a URL shortener. shortener? Yeah, that's right. Glad Um, it impacted you a lot. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Um, And as we look at HTTP APIs, we know actually setting up service integrations in REST API is actually kind of a pain, right? Mm. So in HTTP API, we're going to make it super simple, just as easy as it is to set up a Lambda integration today. So um, some background there in REST API, if you set up a Lambda integration, super easy, paste in the ARN and you're done. Um, If you try to set up anything else like DynamoDB SQS, um, there's a lot more setup steps, especially in writing a little transformation template mm-hmm. we're going to make all those super easy in http api so just as easy if not easier than lambda well, that's awesome all right well listen that to me yeah no i that i the service integrations are not easy which is why i typically use a plugin to help me do those um, because it's just uh, it's just a lot easier um but anyway so listen both of you thank you so much for uh for you know for coming on and, and talking about this stuff i mean alan honestly great work on uh, http apis i think yeah. uh you know this is going to be you know like eric said this should probably be the first thing you look at once we get those service integrations in there um which are going to be easier i love that idea like because that's the other thing is like if you know learn from learn from from previous mistakes, maybe they're not mistakes, but certainly make it you know make it less friction to get that stuff in there. Um, so that's going to be absolutely awesome, um, and I look forward to uh, you know maybe checking back in with you two and, and see uh, you know when when these new things come out. Um, so if people do want to find out more about HTTP APIs, um, they can just go to the AWS site um, and, and click on API Gateway, and there's information there. Um, and if they want to get in touch with uh, you, Eric, how do they do that? Best way is on Twitter. Uh, EDJ Geek uh, is the best way to hit me. My my DMs are open, and I'm always getting questions on that. Uh, so that's the best way to get me. All right, and Alan, if people want to bug you with feature requests, how do they do that? They can also reach me on Twitter, um, T underscore Alan. Eric's been bugging me a lot about getting a Twitter account, so I did that, <laughs> and now people can reach out to me. Awesome. And then you publish a lot on the Compute blog, right? The... Uh, is it yeah. aws.amazon.com slash blog slash compute. Um, there's like, what, 17,000 um, blog posts a day across all of AWS or something like that. So <laughs> if you can... All by me. <laughs> Anyways. All right. Well, listen, yeah. I will get all that stuff into the show notes. Thanks again for, for being here. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having us. Thank you, Jeremy. Thank you again. 
And that's this week's serverless chat. I want to give a huge thank you to Eric Johnson and Alan Tan for being my guests this week, as well as to our sponsor, Epsigon. If you want to check out the show notes and a full transcript of this episode, you can find them at serverlesschats.com slash 40. For more serverless chats, be sure you subscribe and rate the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or any of your favorite podcast apps. You can also connect with me on Twitter at Jeremy underscore daily. And if you're interested in serverless and want to discover all the great new articles, use cases, and latest innovations from the serverless community, make sure you subscribe to the Off by None newsletter at offbynone.io. Thank you so much for joining me, and I look forward to chatting with all of you again next week.